2: Hey, thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. And for all you Transformation Talk Radio followers, thank you guys for plugging in and saying hi to all of our hosts and especially for those folks that I know that you're pinging on the back end. And remember that any time you listen to the show, you have an opportunity to go to the Dr. Pat Show website, which is... <laughs> I love this. I love being able to reinvent and reconstruct things. As I said... We definitely have a several new websites coming up, both for TTR as well as for uh, the Dr. Pat Show. And as all websites go, the way of the design, creative energy, uh, it looks like it's going to take us a week or two longer to get those new sites up. But I will tell you that we're really happy uh, about the way they're looking. And they're really being designed. Whoops, that was a little chair move right there. Uh, they're being designed for you guys. So they're going to be interactive. They're going to be polls that you can take and comment on and things that you can do. You're going to be able to comment on the different shows, uh, uh, questions that maybe you had uh, thought of after the show was over and much more. Today, we've got part two. We've got part two uh, of a series. And this is kind of cool because we get to talk about some really interesting things today. Uh, It's part two of Green Building Practices and New Construction with our very, very special regular, regular co-host here on the show, Amy Tewillis, as well as her uh, special guest, Martha Rose. Now, last time they were here, you know, we looked at different aspects of the home and what does green building mean? And they shared a lot of information. But one of the things that that that, uh, we didn't talk about uh, was uh, the materials and what does that mean? Uh, But also, um, we're talking about things that we don't know. Now, I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things that I discovered along the way of building my own home um, and was actually quite shocked about. Um, But at the time that I did that, really, the idea of building green was, you know, really a very, very quiet conversation now people are weighing in, and they're weighing in on the various reasons for being aware of what green building practices are all about. Uh, Amy is joining us here today, as many of you know, and you're going to hear more about in a minute. Uh, and she's also going to introduce uh, Martha, who's a sidekick for the, for the day. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about is what does this mean to have this commitment? Uh, she is, Amy, is the broker and owner of Rhino Ross Realty. Uh, born and raised in south of Chicago, like a very dear friend of mine. Uh, And then along the way, uh, discovered what it means to have a different point of view about building, about being green. Now, when you look at her life and her transition into the real estate industry, how do you bring what you know to be the right way of doing things? And what I mean by that being of no harm to someone and being kind to the earth and the people on it, how do you bring that forward? And, you know, this is something that she's been able to do brilliantly. We've talked about many, many, many things on the show here over the past several months. Um, today we get down uh, and, and get knee deep in what some of the things are that you should know about. Amy, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
2: Hey, before we just get into this uh, building materials conversation, because it's a big one. It's a really big one. It's a big it's one. It's a giant one.
3: I'm excited about all of our topics today. I think they're really important and they are. besides the green building materials, just talking about construction waste and stormwater drainage are topics, you know, people might not necessarily think about.
2: They don't think about it. Um, but let's talk a little bit for a minute about um, you know, what it is that uh, you bring to the table with Rana Ross Realty. And you know, what is it? That enabled you to step to the forefront to be not just uh, someone in the real estate business, but someone that is out there and has decided, you know what, this stuff is really important to me and it's important in whatever I do.
3: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate uh, about the environment and the world and making sure, you know, that my children um, have a good planet to grow up on and raise their kids in. And my profession makes a living off of land and buildings. And so I feel like it is my duty to help educate people on, you know, how they can do it in a sustainable manner.
2: And, you know, I think what we've learned over the series that you've done has to do with, you, you know, you could do little things. You know, you could do things on a regular basis. Um, I have a friend that heard the show and what she said is, you know, I may not be able to get everything done at one time, but um, I can, in my yearly plan for what I'm going to do at my home, I could build a factor in there for what I'm going to do in, you know, being, what did she call it? Smart green, you know, or green smart. That Mm -hmm. was it. Green smart. I'm green. I can be green smart. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned that term on the show, but that's the first time I heard it. Um, green smart. And so when she looks at, oh, I'm going to do landscaping, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Now she has a chunk of what she's going to spend on some of the things that you've been talking about. Right. Um, and I think that makes a difference for people if they can understand how can I chunk this thing.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, as we talked a lot about awareness and education, and I think that really is the first step. If you try to do everything, it's it's not realistic. It's not going to happen. So, you know, small steps. And we even talked about a lot of things you can do that are free, just changes in your behavior and, and things that you can do for energy efficiency and indoor air quality. It's not everything doesn't cost money. It's just slowly, you know, changing um, your mind about things, and it'll just start happening. It yeah. all fall in place.
2: And and we're telling people why it's important, and I think that's the key of it. Now you've got uh, you're going to introduce Martha again, right? Yes, Martha right.
3: Martha Rose is here with us. I'm really really honored that um, she's agreed to do this with me. And she's been in the construction industry for about 41 years. She owns Martha Rose Construction. Um, she's just an incredible lady. She's going to be um, the upcoming president of the Masters Builders Association. Here. Nice. Yeah. And uh, she's just, she's really dedicated toward uh, deep building green in the area. Thank you,
4: Dr. Pat, and thank you, Amy, for having me today.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, let's talk for a minute about, you know, what this has meant, coming in here, doing the show, being able to talk about something you're passionate about. I mean, isn't it fascinating that you actually have a forum to come in and you know, awesome. have voice
4: to this? Right. We're trying to reach people in as many ways as we can, and this is a fabulous opportunity.
2: Um, we're going to kick off and talk about, you know, what, what did we talk about in part one, Amy? Why don't you give us a recap?
3: Yeah, in, in part one, we kind of started from the beginning. If you were going to be building new construction and thinking about, you know, site orientation and design of your home, um, then focusing, you know, on the house as a whole system and the building envelope, and then, you know, within your building envelope, the interior systems of your house and how everything would work together as a system.
2: Um, And, you know, we talked about a couple of things that were really pretty important. But, you know, this show is about built. Well, part of most of the show is going to be about building materials. And I think it's important to give people a range of what we mean when we talk about building materials, because people think, oh, she must be talking about the two by fours. But it's really a bigger picture than that.
3: Oh, I mean, it's a huge picture. It's 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 not just if so, if something's green, you know. It's about in the manner of how did that material get here, and you know what's happening with the materials that you're taking away to put in these new materials. And um, it, it's it's a big topic. And, um, you know, managing construction waste, people probably don't realize, you know, how many things can actually be recycled. So I'm really happy to talk about managing construction waste. And, you know, here living in Seattle, we get a lot of rain. It's, it's fall is yeah. here and the rain is going to start and it's yeah, here. Yeah, think. Right. And thinking about, you know, where all that, you know, drain water goes, if it doesn't soak into our earth, is running off into our streams and it's, you know, harming our marine life. And yeah. so it's you really need to think about that as well.
2: So tell folks, give them a snapshot of what we're going to be talking about today, the wide range of things, and also, um, you know, what's out there uh, to think about.
3: Yeah, so today we're going to be covering uh, green building materials and what is a sustainable building material, and that's going to cover the resourcing of these materials, um, managing construction waste of these materials, whether you're just remodeling or building new, and then low-impact development, which is all about, you know, stormwater and runoff.
2: Well, and, you know, it's interesting we talk about that because, you you know, many people also think that we live in the, you know, Pacific Northwest. And so I had somebody say to me the other day, oh, solar energy must be out for you. Um, And I thought that was an interesting comment to make. I mean, you know, we certainly have a reputation for for rain, but to have a reputation that the sun don't shine here, that's kind of an interesting. Well, we want people not to think the sun shines, right? (laughs) You
3: got to protect our gym.
2: <laughs> you know, it's fascinating. I think we do, right? I, I, you, you know, when you tell people that uh, we're into our rainy season and it started now, somebody actually commented on the show the other day and they said, Yep, yeah, I uh, think it started, and uh, guess what? You know, maybe after the 4th of July. And uh, one of my friends said, that's just, like, got to be a big, fat lie. <laughs> and I said, I don't think so. I I, I, I don't think that's a big, fat lie. Um, but there are some benefits to this. You know, I mean, we live in a place that is so green, so lush. It really affords us an opportunity to really think green,
3: doesn't it? It, it does. I, I'm, I'm happy to be living here and call this my home now.
2: Yeah, I'm happy yeah. to do that, too. So, uh, you know, from your point of view, uh Martha, let me ask you a question. I mean, we did cover a lot of things. Are you excited about this topic today? Oh, sure. This is a
4: a really good it's topic. It's a juicy one. It, it is. It it, it, it is. digs. It digs in.
2: It is. What we're going to talk about is, you know, many, many things. You're going to probably hear some terms like I heard the other day, green smart. Um, you're going to hear some terms uh, that you may or may not be familiar with. I want to just let everybody know that at any point in time, if you have any questions whatsoever, give us a shout. We do have a toll-free number that we use throughout the show, 1-800-930-2819. Um, uh, both Amy and Martha here, we're going to be talking about, you know, what does an um, embodied energy of a material look like? How do you determine it? What is that? And then, you know, for more or less of the show, we're going to be talking about some things that will help you make informed, intelligent decisions. Because that's what this is about. It's really having information so that you can make informed decisions. We're going to take a short break. Uh, You're listening to The Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. We'll be right back.
5: that bill
6: Are you interested in learning about how to add more eco-conscious living into your life? Amy Tu-Willis, broker and owner of Rhino-Ros Realty, is dedicated to helping people buy and sell healthy homes. She strives to educate people on incorporating more green features into your environment. Rhino-Ros Realty wants to be a resource before, during, and after a transaction. Whether someone is buying or selling a single-family home, multifamily, condo, or investment property, Rhino Roz can provide the service and knowledge that is needed to make informed decisions. For a free market analysis or more information about greening your home, contact Amy at RhinoRoz.com, R-H-I-N-O-R-O-Z.com, or call 206-508-1250.
7: that's 888-777-4232. And visit us at maryjanemack.com.
0: Transforming the world, one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio, that's my line. Nonstop shows, 24 hours, 7 days. Positive Talk Radio is the new craze going to live your life the best you can. All hosts of TTR will lend a hand. Transform, inspire, educate, create. Tune in now. Our shows are actually really great. Tell your friends, your brother, dad, and mom to tune in at TransformationTalkRadio.com.
8: Talk Radio.
2: Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Amy, Martha joining me here today. What a great show. I love this. This is like a super topic for me because I get to reflect on all the things I didn't do well (laughs) in my lifetime building and putting that window in and doing a whole bunch of other things. Uh, But, you know, we've all gotten a lot smarter. Thanks to Amy, actually. uh, And Martha joining us here today. You know, let's kick it off by talking about um, what you call embodied energy. And let's start that conversation with you.
3: Yeah, so um, that's a new term. Yeah, when you're thinking of selecting green building materials, a lot of people just think you should select a material that has low toxins. And it's not just about selecting a material that has low toxicity, it's about selecting a material with low embodied energy. And embodied energy is basically uh, the total amount of all the energy inputs over the lifetime of this particular material. Um, The lower the total bottled energy, the greener the product is. Um, And an easy way to think about this is, you know, basically the before, during and after steps of a product. And, you know, building materials... Obviously, are a huge part of new construction. And just last year, um, in the green building market segment, uh, there was about eighty-five billion, according to um, McGraw Hill's Building. It's an eighty-five billion-dollar industry, and they actually forecast that by two thousand and sixteen, this number is going to be tripled.
2: And you know, what are they basing that on? Are they looking at the population growth? Are they looking at people that you know are uh, are building new homes? What? you know, what are what are they looking at? Because
3: that's a giant number. Is it a combination of things? Yeah, I definitely think it's a combination of things. You know, the the more requests people get, the more pressure it puts on, you know, builders and companies to start coming out with products that are going to be building materials. And, right. I mean, the good thing with that is it is going to make products more affordable.
4: Yeah. So um, I see, expanding on your conversation about the embodied energy, I include the energy it takes to not only manufacture the product, whether it be harvesting wood or milling it, but also the transportation costs, and then the durability factor, and also how long it takes that product to renew itself. So um, in the Pacific Northwest, we're blessed with lots of forests, so it makes perfect sense to build our homes with the wood that we gather from our own forests, and um, we can actually take advantage of that through the whole cycle of the building process. So our framing wood is local. Our finish work can be, uh, our finished woods can be um, at least regional, if not local. Our siding material can be regional or local. And so um, yeah, th- these are the things we look at.
2: We've also come a long way with that. I mean, you know, you're not really going to get away with, you know, ripping down lumber from a hillside much anymore without, you know, stepping out of the way and making sure you're replacing it. But there was a time where that wasn't being done, probably before you, like, were born, Amy. But um, (laughs) we've come a long way with even that. And so it really does, you know, talk to our advantage of living in a place that, A, is so absolutely green conscious— and B, we've learned how to be very efficient about what we're doing around here with that. Right, our our forestry
4: practices have evolved, thank goodness. And <laughs> yeah. and, and I know there's always pushback, but um, one example of a very green material that we recently used was uh, ponderosa pine. And the and this ponderosa pine um, comes from forests that are being decimated by the pine beetles, and so. Um, we figured that that's one of the most sustainable woods we can use because mm. if we don't use it, the pine beetles are going to chew it exactly up. Exactly, and, right. and, and that's what's happening. Well, so, that's fascinating. And it's regional material. Uh, the Ponderosa Pine Forest uh, might be Idaho or Montana. It's not necessarily Washington, but it's still close.
3: You know, and when, we, when we're talking about... Uh, embodied energy and, and regional sourcing, yeah. like Martha said, transportation, you know, is is important as well as the installation. And so you really should try to find, you know, local materials and start with, you know, what's within our state and, and then, you know, pretty much take that circle and expand it out to, you know, regional and then within the U.S. And, and then if you can't find it in the U.S., let's stay in North America and, and go mm-hmm. to Canada and Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, and and then lastly, if you can't find those materials, which you should be able to find all those materials, then go over. Overseas. Yeah, I was going to
2: ask you a question. What might that? What what might a material? Well, certainly, if you're going to get something that's specific to the region of Brazil, why did I bring that up? Well, because there are some uh, specific gemstone and gemstone kind of. Materials that come out of Brazil and South America that people have used for countertops and special tiles, but we're talking about a very small group of people that would go to that cost right. to bring that in, or go to Italy to get. You know, what and, are we
4: getting and, from Italy? And w- well, so we're suggesting to to stop that silliness. Yeah, but but, but you can't always stop that. So, um, and not to say that there's. Um, it's just that though, when you're. Um, getting materials that are heavy materials and you're transporting them halfway across the globe, it stops making sense from an environmental standpoint. And yet there are some things that we have a lot of trouble finding locally. And one of those happens to be light fixtures. And, um, uh And we can buy light fixtures made in North America. We can buy light fixtures made in the U.S. and we will pay like four to five times as much money for them and put us out of the range of affordability. So that's, why why
2: is that? Can you explain that to folks why that is because they're being made cheaper elsewhere?
4: They're being made a whole lot cheaper yeah. in abroad. In, abroad mm-hmm. and um it's a, that's a, whole a personal show. frustration but the good news is many many of the appliance manufacturers for example have brought their materials and their manufacturing back to the US. And that's happening today. It it started a few years ago and it's in full swing. And so we have no trouble buying appliances that are uh,
3: USA made. You know, and um, a lot of people talk about, you know, toilets and, um, you know, Martha, they use American Standard toilets and so do a lot of other green builders who are trying to keep materials local because every um, part of the um, American Standard toilets are made in the U.S. and there's very few companies where every single part is made in the U.S.
2: And, you know, we don't say enough about that, actually, because we now have an assumption that... Even though it has a USA or an American kind of uh, stamp on it, we don't say enough about the fact that it's completely made here.
3: Right. Just because, you know, you might have gotten it and it came from here doesn't mean all of the parts were manufactured here. And that goes back to talking about embodied energy of the, the total sum of everything that's put into that product.
4: Right. And a good example of a local product is drywall. We, mm. we buy our drywall that's made in West Seattle. Really? How's that for local? And it also has recycled content that ranges between 25 and 50 percent. So um, there are other uh, products, too, like our the roofing material that we use is made in Sumas, Washington. And its recycled content is probably 6 percent. But, you know, we found floor tiles uh, made in Oklahoma. Oh, wow. These mm-hmm. are commercial porcelain tiles, and they have 49 percent recycled content. So... Um, There's a lot of good industry locally that um, caters to our particular uh, building model that we use.
2: Well, what do you think? um, I mean, I know we're going to talk about that, but, um, you know, what are some of the, you know, I know we're talking about some of the less known building materials. But I think that, you know, like I said before, we don't even know what we don't know about this. You know, I mean, we have a general idea of the obvious to think about and ask about. But if you've ever built your own home and you watch sort of what happens to it, uh, things that happen behind the walls and so forth, I mean, you start to see some things that are, are pretty interesting uh, in terms of, of exposure. And I guess the question that, that is interest, I think that's important for people to know, are some of the
3: less popular or, you know, less well-known yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. There's reclaimed sawdust, for example, that is made into composite flooring. Um, shredded paper and cardboard is made into waterproof building sheathing. There's uh, floors and countertops made from recycled glass and tiles made from crushed seashells. Um, there, denim is being recycled and used as insulation as well as really? sand and newspapers and cardboard. And, and all of those are being used as insulation. That's,
4: it's true. And um, some of these products are very um, user-friendly and some are very expensive. Um, the ones that spec home builders use uh, won't tread into some of that area. But so as a spec home builder who's trying to be competitive in the marketplace, I have to um, really scrutinize every one of these wonderful new products that are out there because um, some of them carry a premium price tag and I have used some of them over the years.
2: But at least yeah. you're going to give people choice choices too well, in, you in, know we didn't when we built we didn't have really a choice you know we we couldn't come in and say, "You know, we don't want you to use that material, and I found that fascinating yeah. then you know now you you have a population of people that are a heck of a lot smarter, thanks to Amy and shows like this and this kind of conversation. See, folks are learning what kind of questions to even begin to ask, aren't they they are they are yes.
3: You know, that, there's uh, another thing Martha told me that gets used that I was just fascinated by it is fly ash that's actually used, you know, from the coal-burning, you know, plants, and, and that's actually used for drywall? It's an
4: additive. Actually, it's an additive. What is it? it? Fly ash is the it's a byproduct of the coal-fired power plants, and it's the, um, if you think about the debris that goes up the chimney and they catch it, that's fly ash. It's ash that's flying up the chimney, right? And so... Um, It becomes uh, it substitutes uh, up to 25 percent of the cement in a batch of concrete, and it has a um, higher workability rate, a slower cure time, and it ends up being as or stronger than regular concrete without fly ash. And it's actually more similar to what the Romans used to do use in their road building efforts. So we love using fly ash. Sometimes the availability is not there. Sometimes the quality is not there. So it's not one of those things that you take for granted. You look into it. If it's available, you use it. And if it's not available, you don't. But there used to be mountains and warehouses full Mm, of this stuff. And now it's actually um, sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not, which is good. That means
2: we're using it up. We're reusing and, you know, bringing it into the cycle of reuse. Yes. um, um, By the way, the Native Americans have a term for that. You know, my friends would call that transmutation. You know, like that's it. how fire turns into smoke. Sure. Right? I mean, it, it is, you know, what we're talking about here uh, in some traditions is a very sacred process. Right. You know, where you waste nothing, everything on the earth, in whatever form it comes in, uh, is used for something. So, you know, it's pre- it's a pretty interesting conversation that it's taken us this long, but thank goodness we're getting here to really look at some of these things and think about how important they are. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about building materials and, you know, what happens at these construction sites? What happens to the waste? And then how can you save some money on this? You know, what is it that you could know about what's uh, being talked about here today and understand there isn't a high price tag for everything? And um, the value of this conversation is so you can make informed, intelligent decisions. Like my friend said, uh, you got to get green smart. All right. We're going to take a short break, everyone. Amy, Martha is in the house. When we come back, we're going to give you lots of information about how you can find out more about them, uh, as well as some of the information that's being shared on the show. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat show.
9: If not today, one day you will need chiropractic care. Before you choose one, get a copy of this special report, Five Keys to Selecting the Right Chiropractor, available free, and you can read it in about six minutes. Get the care you need, when you need it, from the right chiropractor. Visit wellnessone.net or call toll-free 866-499-7509. Go to wellnessone.net or call 866-499-7509.
5: Are you a health-conscious, spiritual woman who is just tired of struggling with food obsession, emotional eating, and constantly having to struggle with weight and food? You aren't alone. The secret is within us, often in releasing internal resistance and blocks to our own success. To learn how to end the war with food and your body now and find peace, go to eatlikeagoddess.com for your free audio. Break free from food obsession and lose weight without trying. That is eatlikeagoddess.com. Having trouble keeping up with the accelerated life-altering changes occurring on the planet? The Quantum Vortex is the brainchild of Meg Benedicte, a pioneer in quantum healing and energetic activations. Weaving together ancient spiritual knowledge, quantum physics, and vibrational healing, Meg Benedicte is accelerating change at the cellular level. For more details on private sessions, meditation CDs, downloads, and teleseminars, visit NewEarthCentral.com.
1: What if the world doesn't function the way we've been told? What if we truly can bend the laws of physical reality? What if we can end limitation? What if weird were the coolest thing you could be? And what if it's time for a totally different reality? Are you ready to create it? Are you ready to dream as big as you dare? Hi, my name is Dane here. 13 years ago I started to truly ask questions, actually I started to be the question, and everything in my life changed for me. This is your invitation to step into something that Einstein, Marie Curie, Newton, Da Vinci, Shakespeare, Gandhi, Galileo, and Aristotle all knew to be true. It's not about the answer, it's about being the question, always. It's about truly being you, whatever that looks like, and changing this world. Is now the time? Start by signing up for a free video series at beingyouclass.com. That's beingyouclass.com. What if you are the gift and the change this world requires? beingyouclass.com.
6: Holistique Medical Center is where you find it all. A healthy space with doctors who care, see, and listen to the whole you. Hi, this is Dr. Darvish. If you have not found an answer to your chronic symptoms, you will find answers here at Holistique Medical Center. Our doctors find the root cause of your symptoms and guide your body towards healing naturally. We transform lives from within. Visit drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404.
2: Everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. Amy, before we get into this third segment and also kind of, you know, summarize what we've talked to you to date, make sure folks know how to find out more about you and Martha more about you and you both got a lot going on.
3: My website is RhinoRoz, R-H-I-N-O-R-O-Z as in zebra.com. I also have Eco-Conscious Living. It's a domain name that I bought that I'm using for educational materials to really help people understand how to live in a sustainable manner. I've got podcasts from our previous shows up there, uh, PDFs people can download of sustainable building materials, what to think about if you're building new construction, indoor air quality. There's a a lot of good information up there, so check it out
4: and i have two websites martharoseconstruction.com is my main company website where you'll learn about me and all of our practices and our building partners and then i have citycabins.com which highlights our current construction that's now for sale um two left out of four um citycabins will also uh document what our when our next project comes online um so, so you sold two we sold two. Oh, yay, cool. Yay. <laughs> Woohoo. Good job. Yeah, so. Um, uh, nice. Yeah, that happened this last week. Wow. So um, we're all happy about that. And um, we're looking for those last two sales. Um, but the citycabins.com website has just tons and tons of information about that project.
2: Well, and, you know, part of this is really seeing the joy of something that you've built that's so amazing and magnificent, right? Mm -hmm. And that people appreciate it. I think that's, we were talking about what we love about living here, right? There really is a depth and a breadth of appreciation for nature here, you know?
3: No, yeah, it is, you know, and... When we were talking about recycled materials, this before the break, uh, the one thing I just want people to understand is besides a lot of products that are made from recycled materials, um, green building materials aren't just made from, you know, recycled content. Right. Um, there's a lot of reclaimed materials that's really popular in green building I showed a, a home earlier this week in Ballard that had materials from the old Ballard High School and my client wanted to see the home specifically because they liked that it had, you know, pieces from old Ballard High School. So there's lots of, you know, reclaimed materials that are very rare and sought after items um, like old growth for for uh, hardwoods and antique fixtures and marble mantles. And so there's a lot of reclaimed materials that would also be considered um, green yeah. building.
2: You know what I love about that? Now, it's a little late to try to do it now. But if you lived in the New York area like I did when people were coming in Soho and Noho in Manhattan And getting those lofts, right, those old, old business buildings, and they were getting up there and they were just tearing stuff out. We would drive around because they'd put that stuff out outdoors, you know, beautiful. dumpsters. I'm telling you, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Beautiful hand-carved things. But we didn't think about it like that. You know, it's fascinating to be able to think about it. But if you do find something like that, what that says is you're not using something that you're yanking from the earth. You're putting something back into practice. Right. I love doing stuff like that.
4: Yeah, we've used, um, in the past, we found um, two-by-eight decking from an old warehouse that was torn down in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And to this date, it remains my
2: favorite floor that we've ever put into new homes. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty
4: exciting. Oh, yeah, it's
7: very
2: exciting. Well, let's talk about something that I have personal experience with, and that's a construction site. And remember early in the show, I've seen some things that I just really can't even talk about (laughs) on the show today. (laughs) Um, But everybody wonders, where does that waste go to? Um, Every time a roof gets uh, repaired, uh, construction sites have so many different things, Uh, new construction sites and so forth. And the question that happens is, you know, what happens to those things? And, um, you know, how do we look at this in a cost-effective way?
3: Yeah, you know, about uh, 40 percent of the nation's waste is actually from uh, construction sites. And, you know, this is all 40 percent in the landfills, according to the EPA, Um, is from construction sites. And, you know, green construction includes a plan for managing waste. Uh, According to the National Association of Home Builders, a 2,000 square foot new construction home generates about 8,000 pounds of waste. Wow, And, you know, without a waste management plan, most of this ends up in a landfill. But, you know, builders should be able to recycle about 85 percent of that waste because a lot of it's made up of wood and drywall and cardboard. Mm -hmm. Well,
2: we're not talking about, you know, I mean, there's there's another part to this, too. You know, how good are we at paying attention to the kinds of waste that we're putting back into the environment? How, How good have we gotten? Have we gotten better at that? You know what I'm talking about? We, we I, I don't want to like point to any people or anything, but you know what I'm talking about. I mean, if you're you know tearing down asbestos from your ceiling, uh, where are you putting that?
4: Right, right. And and there's uh there are um companies that deal with that specifically, but I
2: know a new construction. And, and most most companies don't get hired to do that by local homes, right? I mean, the cost is so prohibitive. Um, that depends on who's undertaking
4: the renovation of uh, for the home. I know we've hired people, professionals to remove asbestos.
2: I would expect you to. I mean, you know, if anybody's going to talk about that and talk about it in that way, uh, you know, it is a level of awareness. And what I say to people that are getting ready to rip down their ceilings, please don't do that without figuring out what you're getting ready to do. Uh, You know, go do a little research, Google Manville, New Jersey, and you will get all the information you need about that. Exactly. Exactly. So what else, Amy.
3: Well, you know, I, I it'd be great for people to understand that you can save money on building a home if you have a waste management plan. Um, you know, a lot of builders over-order, and if, if you could just be a little bit more concise about the materials, you know, you can order what you need. You you can find vendors that you order materials from that have a buyback policy. So if you have leftover materials, they, they buy them back.
4: That's true. Our lumber store does that. Um we don't, uh, we try to nail it and order exactly what we need, but th- whatever we have left over that we have not cut into, they will take back, unless it was a special order beam or something like that.
3: And you know, I want to say that Martha is awesome with managing her construction waste. This current project that she's doing, she's recycled ninety-five percent of her construction waste.
2: Ninety-five percent. I know. Wow, that, that sounds astounding. Well, um, but I, you have to plan that in advance to have that kind of number. Well, though. you have to be
4: dedicated to it as well as planning it. Um, and I wish I would have um, brought the sum of how much waste we generated for four two-thousand square foot homes, because you t- just said that it was. Four tons were generated per 2,000-foot home, and I know we did not generate 16
3: Right, and I think it's on a standard built home.
4: Right, I know. So it would have have been fun to compare it, um, but I didn't bring that data with me, but I will tell you— Put it
2: up on the website. Oh, that's a good idea. Put that information up.
4: Yeah, so— what I will tell you is drywall has always been recycled, or as long as I can remember, it's always been recycled in a segregated fashion. And so um, they've been way ahead of the curve, but that's a very heavy product and easy to segregate. But what's really cool about what's happening today is many materials like to our job site that might have come pre-packaged are now coming without packaging. Uh, for example, cabinets, doors, millwork, none of that has any packaging on it whatsoever. And wood scraps are always easy to get rid of because the neighbors will take them. We put a free pile out there, people right. just take it, it disappears. And Or uh, for the wood that can't that doesn't get taken, um, I can bring it to the uh, segregated recycling facility where they grind it up into wood chips or or they grind it and make compost out of it.
2: So what you're saying is, you know, usually we're used to cardboard, plastic, you know, to wrap things up in. I mean,
3: we're the wrapper society, right? Yeah, you can request for, if you're ordering a lot of one material, if they're going to be packaged, if they do come packaged, ask for them to all be packaged together instead of all individually, or ask for them not to be packaged. Right.
4: Right, and there's still, so there's a lot of cardboard that gets sent out to the job, and and that's easy to recycle in a segregated fashion, and metal is really easy to um, segregate and recycle. Um, The most difficult items are the, the visqueens, the plastics, the, um, the actually the lighting manufacturers have quit using so much uh, of that styrofoam popcorn. Right. And and I had conversations. We have conversations with our suppliers all the time and ask them or, or even tell them, if you don't stop this uh, excessive packaging, we're going to stop using these products. And we've seen a change over the years. Mm. So that that's really exciting to see that I don't know whether it's my conversation that created that or if it was one piece of the bigger conversation, but the the whole other people must be saying the same thing. Sometimes if
2: you make people aware, they'll take action.
4: I mean,
3: education just goes Mm -hmm. back to, you know, and, and besides these things, like other things you can do is you can contact local recycling centers, Habitat for Humanity, they'll take reusable materials.
2: Absolutely. And then they really do reuse them.
3: Yeah, they do. And, you know, there's lots of materials that people probably don't understand that can be recycled. You know, concrete is, you know, one of the most environmentally friendly materials because it can be recycled. And even asphalt pavement, you know, can be recycled or salvaged and um you know, wood and metals and untempered glass and carpet. Uh, Only about like 1% of carpet actually gets recycled, but about 60% of carpet made in the U.S. is made with the nylon that is recyclable and can be used to get put back into other materials instead of going in the landfill.
2: Well, I got a project for you, Miss Martha. What's that? Yeah. Build the first Habitat for Humanity home completely recycled material we're going to take a short break on that note i'm gonna get you to think about that sure. we're going to take, look at amy you knew I, that was coming we're going to take a short break when we come back we've got lots to share with you looking at green building as a whole what happens to the side outside uh to manage all of the rain that we get what about the rain what are we not looking at about the rain stay tuned we'll be right back
6: Come alive and shine with the Alive and Shine radio show with Adil and Savitri. Widen your perspective, learn to heal yourself, and clarify your power of choice so that you feel truly alive and shine. The Alive and Shine radio show is your how-to guide for creating a life in which your dreams come true. Listen live each Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on KKNW or at AliveAndShineShow.com.
5: Are you ready to have all your relationships work for you? Those with your family, friends, and coworkers? Perhaps with a lover? How about with your body and your money? Ask Susan. Relationship counselor, life coach, and access consciousness facilitator Susan Lazar Hart has assisted thousands in creating relationships that truly work for them. Ask Susan, a monthly telecall where you can be heard and receive simple tools to apply to all your relationships. AskSusan.net. That's Ask-Susan.net.
0: visit the website and contact her at voicesofwomentoday.com That's voicesofwomentoday.com
8: The Divine Divas Radio Show with Patricia Iris Karens and co-host Cheryl Angela is dedicated to being love and action and joy in jumping into the next new paradigms for humanity. Divine Divas Radio is evolutionary, revolutionary and soul-empowered, sharing insights of hope, love and joy every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com Join the Divas and Evolutionary visionaries each week as we step into the new era of oneness and peace together and visit divinedivasradio.com.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. Before we get into this very, very juicy last segment, I want to make sure, Amy, Martha, that you give out information uh, for people to find out more about this. And by the way, if you've missed any part of this, the show will be up. Or, you know, you can always call them if you have questions. Why don't you make sure you give folks information where they can connect with you guys directly?
3: Yeah, our office phone number is 206-508-1250. And you can check out ecoconsciousliving.com. dot com. Um, podcasts from the show are up there. PDFs you can download for you know tips on all of the topics, as well as just more in depth topics that all of our shows have been on.
4: And my office phone number is two zero six seven eight four zero one four seven. And I have the two websites citycabin's dot com and martharoseconstruction dot com.
2: Okay, so we're going to be talking here. All right, let's get into this conversation about the building as a whole, and, you know, especially what we were talking about during the break. Go ahead, Amy.
3: So green building, it's, it's a whole. Everything is connected and everything is together, and, you know— I'm not only passionate about the industry that I'm in, but I want to help com- shape communities and create smart growth. And in doing so, it means paying attention to low-impact development. You know, as all of these communities grow, so does the amount of surface area that's covered by roads and roofs and, and parking lots. And, in, you know, in Seattle, um, any rainwater that doesn't soak into the ground, as I had said, it runs off into the surface waters. And this creates a lot of problems And while Seattle is a very progressive area, we currently only have about 15% of our rainwater soaking into the ground. Um, Wow. You know, low-impact development is... uh, basically a plan for stormwater practice that helps manage runoff. Martha does low-impact development at all of her projects. Um, You want to talk about what some things you're doing that are low-impact development at your current project? I would like to, and I'd also like to expand
4: on what you were saying about low-impact development. Um, The reason why we do it is because 30 to 40 percent of Puget Sound is dead. And that's from pollutants that are running off of our own yards and lawns. It's not from industry. 45 um, percent of the pollution in Puget Sound is from single-family residences. So it's really important to um, create an environment on the site where the rainwater can um, soak into the ground and get purified before it gets released to Puget Sound. So our strategy is multi-pronged. Um, we we on our garages, um, we have detached garages, and we put vegetation up on the roofs of the garage. Fifty percent of the water that lands on those roofs will stay there and so and it, and the water that does run off will get uh, purified by running through the plants and then that water then goes into a rain barrel. And that rain barrel is 100 gallons, and it sits there um, available to um, water your plants in your backyard. There is an overflow on the rain barrel, and the overflow goes into our storm system on site, which is infiltration trenches that are filled up with rock. And um, all the roof water from the houses goes into those infiltration trenches. And in addition to that, um, our walkways and uh, Garage aprons mm-hmm. are all made with pervious concrete, so the water just drains straight through the pervious concrete wow. into a gravel bed underneath those. And then um, we enrich all of our soil with manure compost that comes from a dairy farm and um, top it with alfalfa mulch. So um, you have a soil that is no longer uh, what a typical construction soil would be, but it's actually a very enriched um, Garden-ready, healthy soil with worms in it. And um, and so all of those things work together to create an environment where all the rain that lands on the site will stay on site and get absorbed into the ground and get purified before it gets into the water table. Um, we do have an overflow. So if we have a whole bunch of 100-year events in a row, which some happens on rare occasions, mm-hmm. um, then... Our infiltration trenches uh, at the low point, it will go into a catch basin, the excess water, uh, where silt drops out and then it gets discharged into the storm system in the neighborhood. But that only happens on very rare occasions.
3: So these trenches that you were talking about, these are rain gardens?
4: Um, These particular trenches are not rain gardens. They're actually hidden from view. They're buried in the ground uh, where a backhoe digs a hole or a long hole, a ditch. That's, say, three or four feet deep and two to three feet wide, and it's filled up with rock. And so the water goes in there and it hangs out till it can be absorbed into the ground. Sometimes we do rain gardens. Um, Rain gardens are visible on Mm. the top of the ground, and and they actually have some of the same construction. They have a layer of rock, and they have good soils uh, that often have a lot of sand in them. And then they have um, plants, and they're sort of bowl-shaped. So they are designed for the water to go there and sit in the rain garden, sometimes on the surface, but the water in a rain garden should dissipate within 24 hours.
3: Right. And so a lot of times when people are walking around, you know, I've seen people be like, Look at that landscaping. And then I look at it, I'm like, "Well, that's actually green landscaping. It's low-impact development. And it might just look that it's just a bunch of rocks that are, you know, in a little valley that go down together. But that's actually meant, you know, to collect stormwater runoff. Um, There's lots of neighborhoods doing it in Broadview right now in North Seattle. You know, it's a a big hill that starts up at Greenwood and basically goes down to Carkeek Park. And if you go in between all the neighborhoods in there, you'll see basically uh, bio... Swales and rain gardens going down, um, and it's it's meant to collect the rainwater and soak it up, and you know water all those plants before it actually reaches Carkeek Park and goes into the Sound.
4: And the exciting thing about that particular project, it's called the Sea Street Project, and C meaning S E A, not C, not the letter C. Um, that it. When they uh, first designed it and put it in, they expected that it would um, handle about 50% of the rainwater. And it turns out it handles 95%. Oh, nice. And not only that, but um, property values went up and demand was great. And now all these other neighborhoods in Seattle are clamoring for a similar type setup.
2: Well, and I think that's how smart we've gotten about the whole thing, is really taking a look at what has become important to people. And I think it is. I mean, you know, we're talking about rain here and doing some of the things here. But I'll tell you, if you lived in the East Coast, uh, especially in the state of New Jersey, and you got hit with the rain they got hit with and didn't know what to do with, they'd be having this conversation as well. That's right.
3: When, and it, it just like we talked about, it's a slow, slow process over time. You know, neighborhood can't decide, OK, tomorrow we're incorporating this. You know, the money's not there. It's just a slow process. But you just start the ball rolling and, and, and it'll just get you there. Just becoming more conscious and aware is a first step. You know, just realizing that there's another way that can be going about it that actually exists right now.
2: Well, what I love about neighborhoods is they are neighborhoods. And once a couple of people in the neighborhood start a buzz like that, it doesn't take long for the other folks to really kind of chime oh, no. in.
3: People walk their dogs around yeah, and no everybody kidding. likes to check out what's happening and, and they talk to you and then they want to do it and they get the name of who you're doing it with.
4: Well, you can see it all over Seattle where people have taken their lawns out and replaced it with gardens. Well, most people don't realize that lawns don't really absorb water. They, they absorb maybe 25%. Mm-hmm. So um, removing lawn and replacing it with a... Garden with loose soil is mm-hmm. a, is a really good way to get started with converting your own, yeah. own
3: property to low impact mm-hmm. development. And, and there are many things you can do to still make the landscaping look good. It's not like you're just going to replace your no. yard with trenches and no. you know. You, you can make it all flow and go together by by just you know starting small. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you guys uh, for joining me here today. What a great conversation. There's so much. There's
3: a lot. Oh, there's a lot. You know, next week is actually going to be my my last show. Um, and I kind of saved the best for last in the sense where all of this lead up we've talked about, new construction, indoor air quality, energy efficiency is really important. But next week's topic, um, which is or next month, is going to be October 16th at 10 a.m. I'm going to be on the show with Jason Lear of Baton Lear. And we're going to talk about retrofitting your existing home, which I'm really excited about. Excited. Yeah. Not only do I live in an older home, but I mean, 95% of clients I sell homes to buy an older home and it's important for people to understand how to retrofit it.
2: You bet. Thank you both for joining me here today. Thank you. What a great show. And again, websites real quick, if you don't mind.
3: RhinoRoz.com.
2: and Thank awesome.
3: you for having me. Thanks.
2: You bet. What a great show. All right, everyone. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show.
9: Visit thedrpatshow.com. That's t h e d r dot for listening times in your area.
0: Do you ever wonder why you feel off balance now to focus most of your life? Would you like to have an aha moment every day? The Michelle Bond Show, Awakened to a New Reality, will empower you to feel wonderment every moment of every day. This hit show provides healthy, empowering knowledge and information which gives hope to everyone from the healthy to the health-challenged. Get ready to restore and maintain your wholeness, mind, body, and spirit through learning the latest complementary and alternative healing modalities. Your new reality will introduce you to an unlimited world of possibilities with the gumption to take epic action for your life. This call-in show with wholeness coach Michelle Bond will give you insight to a wide range of topics, from nutrition to lifestyle choices to manifesting your wildest dreams. Tune in Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Transformation Talk Radio's amazing hosts span from the Pacific to the Atlantic Coast. With a world full of loyal fans, what's stopping you from joining our clan? Bring your powerful message to listening ears. We've been helping people do this for many years. Want to make a difference? We can help you out. Just give us at Transformation Talk Radio a shout. It's easy to get started with an email so small to host at TransformationTalkRadio.com and then we'll give you a call. Transforming the world, one listener at a time. Transformation Talk Radio, that's my line. Non stop shows, 24 hours, 7 days. Positive Talk Radio is the new craze. Learn and live your life the best you can. All hosts of TTR will lend a hand. Transform, inspire, educate, create. Tune in now, our shows are actually really great. Tell your friends, your brother, dad, and mom to tune in at transformationtalkradio.com.